Hey everyone, you're listening to God's Whole Story, a podcast of Worship Center. We know just how hard it is to read God's Word and understand it, so we decided to read the Bible chronologically this year and talk about it together. Thanks so much for joining us. Hey guys, welcome to God's Whole Story. My name is Ryan. I'm here again with Andrea, and we're looking at 1 Samuel 9 today, kind of looking at basically Saul becoming the king. Um, So as we read over this, Andrea, what was sticking out to you? What did you notice the most? Well, obviously right in the beginning, um, how they describe Saul in verse 2 here. His son Saul was the most handsome man in Israel, head and shoulders taller than anyone else in in the land. Mm -hmm. So just kind of like this description is important because I think um, the people of Israel were looking for somebody like Saul on the exterior. They were looking for somebody strong, tall, handsome, somebody who they believed in their eyes could be a good king. Um, And that, you know, contrary to, you know, what David was, you know, small in stature, he didn't look as strong. Um, They just thought that this kind of specific characteristics would shape um, the kind of king that they really needed. Nonetheless, here they have king, their king, God, you know, that Mm -hmm. they completely just kind of disregard um, and, you know, attribute all that to a man, you know, this is who we need as opposed to, you know, we have the God who holds all the power. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, just them attributing to Saul these kind of characteristics um, that they really should be looking in their God instead of a man. It's funny to me, like, if if you've— been in church for a long time, if you've known about faith for a long time, um, this is a story that's like Israel asked for a king and they never should have asked for a king. They were always (laughs) supposed to follow God. And it's easy for us consistently to make Israel like this punching bag of like, oh, those dumb ancient people that never had faith. Um, What's interesting to me is that we are still constantly looking for like, like a uh, earthly king. Yeah. We want to be able to identify ourselves with someone who will be powerful and influential yep. and meaningful and like bring us value and finally represent our say. Mm-hmm. But like the, the command s- is still there for us. Like we yeah. are followers of God. And mm-hmm. what's interesting to me is that Israel, like God describes Israel as his chosen possession. Like they have been handpicked out of all the peoples of all the world yeah. to represent the creator God to the other peoples in the world. Yeah. Um, and they would actually just rather be something else. They would yeah. rather be just like every other kingdom. Yeah. Um, and it's it's very easy for us to fall into that same thing. So it's it's dangerous when we make this like, oh, those dumb ancient mm-hmm. Israel people. Like this is And we experience and do the same we thing. We have the same disposition. Yeah. Just pay attention to any election oh, cycle. Yeah. Yeah. It's like this is my guy. He's gonna finally yeah. represent me. And spoiler alert, they never ever do. <laughs> yep. Because that's not what we're made for. Yeah. Like we're made to be loyal to the God who has chosen us just like he chose Israel in those days to mm-hmm. represent him as his royal priesthood. Yeah. Um why we constantly give that up. Yeah. is mind-blowing. Um, but we just see that cycle over and over again. So I definitely encourage you, like, if you're listening today, and this is, this, I'm actually, like, pretty into this. Like, mm-hmm. like don't lose that. Don't forget that. Yeah. Like, like the next time you turn on the news and it's either your guy on the screen or not your guy mm-hmm. on the screen, 
don't forget that they're actually not our guys at all. Yeah. Like we we are following God. They can't he's, save us. He's cho- they cannot <laughs> save us. They have no power. Uh, God has chosen us as his royal priesthood. Mm-hmm. And so we want to look to him to represent him and not give that up. Because that's what they're doing. They're giving it up. They're like, yeah. we wanna, we, we'd rather serve Saul. Because yeah. that would be fun. <laughs> yeah, I, I, it's, it's tough because there's <sighs> – Throughout the history of of the Bible, God is always having to bring His people back to Yeah. Him, and it's still that way today. Like, yeah. We are constantly sidetracked with, you know, being drawn to people who supposedly have this facade of power or um, even possessions. Like, people put their faith in possessions, you know, like things yeah. that they have. It's like, oh, I need this. I need this. And it's like, well, really, you don't. Because at the end of it all, when we're not on this earth, yeah. you can't take any of that with it you. It all goes away. Um, and ultimately, you know, I think we've lost like sight of the end of our time. Like we're not going to live forever. Mm-hmm. And not only should we, and it's not to say that we can't prepare our life on this earth because we are on this earth and we, you know, we should live it. But um, I think we lose like the focus of preparing for the time after mm-hmm. our time on this earth. It's like we lose sight of that and we forget that just like the people of Israel, that this time is temporary mm-hmm. and we should be focused on who our God is, um, what he's doing while we are on this earth and what he's going to do when we're not on this earth, you mm-hmm. know, like, um, so we just, we so easily get sidetracked and we lose, we put our, our faith in possessions, material people, and God is constantly having to say, hello. Like, yeah. Like, <laughs> I'm follow still me. here. Follow me. Like, hello, I'm the one who can save you. I'm the one who's gonna gonna deliver you and help you. Um, yeah, we still do it. So we do see in in this reading uh, in First Samuel ten. Uh, we've been kind of talking about the period of the judges. The period of the judges officially ends in First Samuel ten. Israel now has a king. Uh, the king is Saul. Uh, what's interesting is that Samuel kind of picks him out supernaturally. Uh, God definitely leads him to. Saul. Uh, and then what happens is that God's spirit comes down onto Saul. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the things I noticed just as we were reading it, uh, God's spirit comes onto Saul a couple different times. Yeah. So what I think we can take from that is that God's spirit does not stay in Saul. He's not indwelt like we can be indwelt. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just talked about this uh, last night with students, is that we are in a unique period in history, um, in God's redemptive history, where mm-hmm. his spirit is available to all of us mm-hmm. and his spirit fills all of us and stays with us. Yeah. Um, so Saul apparently experienced what it was like to be filled with the Holy Spirit um, for distinct times. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's one of those people that God's Spirit fell onto, yeah. and he was able to do things and perceive things differently. Um, that same Spirit is available to us today mm-hmm. to be able to perceive things and, and deal yeah. with things differently. Um, so that's pretty cool. It's a it's a unique difference for us, um, but we see that happening with with Saul. Yeah, and definitely. Oh, yeah, sorry. go ahead. No, go ahead. Um, no, I was going to say about Saul, like, you know, since he was the king that the people wanted and had chosen, Yeah. Um, definitely God was going to use him for his purposes, you know, yeah. regardless of what the people chose. Um, he used him for his purposes. So, yeah, he had those moments where the, the spirit of God fell upon him and, and he did as God wanted, you know, mm-hmm. and all for his glory, obviously. Um, but, yeah, I mean... I think about it like, you know, no matter no matter what we choose or don't choose, like God's going to turn it around and use it for his glory. Yeah. Um but nonetheless, it's like 
even though they had this king and God used him, um, they still just had a hard time, um, you know, being faithful to yeah. God. Yeah. So it's like, even with the blessing that he gives them, you know, and the mercy that he has upon them, they still have a hard time being faithful yep. to him. Uh, I think it's interesting. Samuel gives his farewell address. That's first uh, Samuel 12. Yeah. And even his first, even his farewell address is like a little bit yeah. it, like it's, it's, it has tension in it. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, he's basically telling them like, you can serve this King, mm-hmm. but that's not really what you're made to do. Yeah. You, you really shouldn't be doing this. And he continues to tell him like, you've, you have this opportunity. Do not serve these idols, yeah. serve God. Um, and you, you kind of get this feeling like, man, they're already like not doing great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like a little summary of like what they've done over time and how it hasn't worked for them. Um, it reminds me like of, um, Moses's. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Yeah. I thought the same thing. That's what it reminds me of, like the speech that he gives before he, he, you know, obviously he couldn't enter the promised land with them. Um, but it reminds me of that. It's like going back over like the, the history, like, Hey, you know, we, we've done this, we've been through this, you've done this, you know, it hasn't worked, you know, trust God, look to God. Um, kind of thing. So that's what it reminds me of. It's, it's interesting. This, this huge, like miraculous thunderstorm rolls up uh, mm-hmm. and and Samuel says, this is basically like, this is a sign to show you that you have now added to your sins by asking for a king. Yeah. So he gives this farewell address, uh, but it's also like, hey, see this crazy, yeah. terrible thunderstorm? That's actually just to remind you how sinful you yeah, are. By the way. By the way, <laughs> you have a king now because you asked for one. It's not going to go well for yeah. you. Um, so we are, we're going to continue diving into exactly how this is not going to go well for them. Uh, but we'll also continue to see God's grace and God's mercy, uh, in the different stories that are to come. Uh, so we hope you're getting something out of this. I hope you're enjoying first Samuel. We'll be back again tomorrow. See ya. Today we're reading from first Samuel starting in chapter nine in verse one. There was a wealthy, influential man named Kish from the tribe of Benjamin. He was the son of Abiel, the son of Zerur, son of Becherath, son of Aphiath, of the tribe of Benjamin. His son Saul was the most handsome man in Israel, head and shoulders taller than anyone else in the land. One day, Kish's donkeys strayed away, and he told Saul, Take a servant with you and go look for the donkeys. So Saul took one of his servants and traveled through the hill country of Ephraim the land of Sheshelah, the Sheshelam area, and the entire land of Benjamin. But they couldn't find the donkeys anywhere. Finally, they entered the region of Zuf, and Saul said to his servant, Let's go home. By now my father will be more worried about us than the donkeys. But the servant said, I just thought of something. There is a man of God who lives here in this town. He is held in high honor by all the people because everything he says comes true. Let's go find him. Perhaps he can tell us which way to go. But we don't have anything to offer him, Saul replied. Even our food is gone, and we don't have a thing to give him. Well, the servant said, I have one small silver piece. We can at least offer it to the man of God and see what happens. In those days, if people wanted a message from God, they would say, let's go and ask the seer, for prophets used to be called seers. All right, Saul agreed. Let's try it. So they started into the town where the man of God lived. As they were climbing the hill to the town, they met some young women coming out to draw water. So Saul and his servant asked, Is the seer here today? Yes, they replied. Stay right on this road. He is at the town gates. He has just arrived to take part in a public sacrifice up at the place of worship. Hurry and catch him before he goes up there to eat. 
The guests won't begin eating until he arrives to bless the food. So they entered the town, and as they passed through the gates, Samuel was coming out toward them to go up to the place of worship. Now the Lord had told Samuel the previous day, About this time tomorrow I will send you a man from the land of Benjamin. Anoint him to be the leader of my people Israel. He will rescue them from the Philistines, for I have looked down on my people in mercy and have heard their cry. When Samuel saw Saul, the Lord said, That's the man I told you about. He will rule my people. Just then Saul approached Samuel at the gateway and asked, Can you please tell me where the seer's house is? I am the seer, Samuel replied. Go up to the place of worship ahead of me. We will eat there together, and in the morning I'll tell you what you want to know and send you on your way. And don't worry about those donkeys that were lost three days ago, for they have been found. And I am here to tell you that you and your family are the focus of all of Israel's hopes. Saul replied, But I'm only one from the tribe of Benjamin, the smallest tribe in Israel, and my family is the least important of all the families of that tribe. Why are you talking like this to me? Then Samuel brought Saul and his servant into the hall and placed them at the head of the table, honoring them above the thirty special guests. Samuel then instructed the cook to bring Saul the finest cut of meat, the piece that had been set aside for the guest of honor. So the cook brought in the meat and placed it before Saul. Go ahead and eat it, Samuel said. I was saving it for you even before I invited these others. So Saul ate with Samuel that day. When they came down from the place of worship and returned to town, Samuel took Saul up on the roof of the house and prepared a bed for him there. At daybreak the next morning, Samuel called to Saul, Get up. It's time that you were on your way. So Saul got ready, and he and Samuel left the house together. When they reached the edge of town, Samuel told Saul to send his servant on ahead. After the servant was gone, Samuel said, Stay here, for I have received a special message for you from God. Then Samuel took a flask of olive oil and poured it over Saul's head. He kissed Saul and said, I am doing this because the Lord has appointed you to be the ruler over Israel, his special possession. When you leave here today, you will see two men beside Rachel's tomb at Zelzah on the border of Benjamin. They will tell you that the donkeys have been found and that your father has stopped worrying about them and is now worried about you. He is asking, have you seen my son? When you get to the Oak of Tabor, you will see three men coming toward you who are on their way to worship God at Bethel. One will be bringing three young goats, another will have three loaves of bread, and the third will be carrying a wineskin full of wine. They will greet you and offer you two of the loaves which you are to accept. When you arrive at Gibeah of God, where the garrison of the Philistines is located, you will meet a band of prophets coming down from the place of worship. They will be playing a harp, a tambourine, a flute, and a lyre, and they will be prophesying. At that time, the Spirit of the Lord will come powerfully upon you, and you will prophesy with them. You will be changed into a different person. After these signs take place, do what must be done, for God is with you. Then go down to Gilgal ahead of me. I will join you there to sacrifice burnt offerings and peace offerings. You must wait for seven days until I arrive and give you further instructions. As Saul turned and started to leave, God gave him a new heart, and all Samuel's signs were fulfilled that day. When Saul and his servant arrived at Gibeah, they saw a group of prophets coming toward them. Then the Spirit of God came powerfully upon Saul, and he too began to prophesy. When those who knew Saul heard about it, they exclaimed, What? Is even Saul a prophet? How did the son of Kish become a prophet? And one of those standing there said, Can anyone become a prophet, no matter who his father is? So that is the origin of the saying, Is even Saul a prophet? When Saul had finished prophesying, he went up to the place of worship. 
Where have you been? Saul's uncle asked him and his servant. We were looking for the donkeys, Saul replied, but we couldn't find them. So we went to Samuel to ask him where they were. Oh, and what did they say? His uncle asked. He told us that the donkeys had already been found. Saul replied, but Saul didn't tell his uncle what Samuel said about the kingdom. Later, Samuel called on all the people of Israel to meet before the Lord at Mizpah. And he said, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, has declared. I brought you from Egypt and rescued you from the Egyptians and from all the nations that were oppressing you. But though I have rescued you from the misery and the distress, you have rejected your God today and have said, no, we want a king instead. Now, therefore, present yourselves before the Lord by tribes and clans. So Samuel brought all the tribes of Israel before the Lord, and the tribe of Benjamin was chosen by Lot. Then he brought each family of the tribe of Benjamin before the Lord, and the family of the Matrites was chosen. And finally, Saul, son of Kish, was chosen from among them. But when they looked for him, he had disappeared. So they said to the Lord, Where is he? And the Lord replied, He is hiding among the baggage. So they found him and brought him out, and he stood head and shoulders above everyone else. Then Samuel said to all the people, This is the man the Lord has chosen as your king. No one in all of Israel is like him. And all the people shouted, Long live the king. Then Samuel told the people what the rights and duties of a king were. He wrote them down on a scroll and placed it before the Lord. Then Samuel sent the people home again. When Saul returned to his home at Gibeah, a group of men whose hearts God had touched went with him. But there were some scoundrels who complained, How can this man save us? And they scorned him and refused to bring him gifts, but Saul ignored them. Nahash, king of the Amorites, had been grievously oppressing the people of Gad and Reuben who lived east of the Jordan River. He gouged out the right eye of the Israelites living there, and he didn't allow anyone to come and rescue them. In fact, of all the Israelites east of the Jordan, there wasn't a single one whose right eye Nahash had not gouged out. But there were 7,000 men who had escaped from the Ammonites, and they had settled in Jabath-Gilead. About a month later, King Nahash of Ammon led his army against the Israelite town of Jabesh-Gilead. But all the citizens of Jabesh asked for peace. Make a treaty with us, and we will be your servants, they pleaded. All right, Nahash said, but only on one condition. I will gouge out the right eye of every one of you as a disgrace to all of Israel. Give us seven days to send messengers throughout Israel, replied the elders of Jabesh. If no one comes to save us, we will agree to your terms. When the messengers came to Gibeah of Saul and told the people about their plight, everyone broke into tears. Saul had been plowing a field with his oxen, and when he returned to the town, he said, What's the matter? Why is everyone crying? So they told him about the message from Jabesh. Then the Spirit of God came powerfully upon Saul, and he became very angry. He took two oxen and cut them into pieces, and sent the messengers to carry them throughout Israel with this message. This is what will happen to the to the oxen of anyone who refuses to follow Saul and Samuel into battle. And the Lord made the people afraid of Saul's anger, and all of them came out together as one. When Saul mobilized them at Bezek, he found that there were 300,000 men from Israel and 30,000 from Judah. So Saul sent the messengers back to Jabesh Gilead to say, We will rescue you by noontime tomorrow. 
There was great joy throughout the town when that message arrived. The men of Jabesh then told their enemies, Tomorrow we will come out to you, and you can do to us whatever you wish. But before dawn the next morning, Saul arrived, having divided his army into three detachments. He launched a surprise attack against the Ammonites and slaughtered them the whole morning. The remnant of their army was so badly scattered that no two of them were left together. Then the people exclaimed to Saul, Now where are those men who said, Why should Saul rule over us? Bring them over here and we will kill them. But Saul replied, No one will be executed today, for today the Lord has rescued Israel. Then Samuel said to the people, Come, let us all go to Gilgal to renew the kingdom. So they all went to Gilgal, and in a solemn ceremony before the Lord, they made Saul king. Then they offered peace offerings to the Lord, and Saul and all the Israelites were filled with joy. Then Samuel addressed all Israel, I have done as you've asked, and I've given you a king. Your king is now your leader. I stand here before you, an old gray-haired man, and my sons serve you. I have served as your leader from the time I was a boy to this very day. Now testify against me in the presence of the Lord and before his anointed one. Whose ox or donkey have I stolen? Have I ever cheated any of you? Have I ever oppressed you? Have I ever taken a bribe and perverted justice? Tell me, and I will make right whatever I have done wrong." No, they replied, you have never cheated or oppressed us, and you have never taken even a single bribe. The Lord and his anointed one are my witnesses today, Samuel declared, that my hands are clean. Yes, he is a witness, they replied. It was the Lord who appointed Moses and Aaron, Samuel continued. He brought your ancestors out of the land of Egypt. Now stand here quietly before the Lord as I remind you of all the great things the Lord has done for you and your ancestors. When the Israelites were in Egypt and cried out to the Lord, he sent Moses and Aaron to rescue them from Egypt and to bring them into his land. But the people soon forgot about the Lord their God, so he handed them over to Sisera, the commander of Hazor's army, and also to the Philistines and to the king of Moab who fought against them. Then they cried to the Lord again and confessed, We have sinned by turning away from the Lord and worshiping the images of Baal and Ashtoreth. But we will worship you and you alone if you will rescue us from our enemies." Then the Lord sent Gideon, Bedan, Jephthah, and Samuel to save you, and you lived in safety. But when you were afraid of Nahash, the king of Ammon, you came to me and said that you wanted a king to reign over you, even though the Lord your God was already your king. All right, here is the king you have chosen. You asked for him, and the Lord has granted your request. Now if you fear and worship the Lord and listen to his voice, and if you do not rebel against the Lord's commands, then both you and your king will show that you recognize the Lord as your God. But if you rebel against the Lord's commands and refuse to listen to him, then his hand will be as heavy upon you as it was upon your ancestors. Now stand here and see the great thing the Lord is about to do. You know that it does not rain at this time of the year during the wheat harvest. I will ask the Lord to send thunder and rain today. Then you will realize how wicked you have been in asking the Lord for a king. So Samuel called to the Lord, and the Lord sent thunder and rain that day. And all the people were terrified of the Lord and of Samuel. Pray to the Lord your God for us, or we will die. They all said to Samuel, For now we have added to our sins by asking for a king. Don't be afraid, Samuel reassured them. You have certainly done wrong, but make sure that you worship the Lord with all your heart and don't turn your back on him. Don't go back to worshiping worthless idols that cannot help or rescue you. They are totally useless. The Lord will not abandon his people, 
because they, that would dishonor his great name, for it has pleased the Lord to make you his very own people. As for me, I will certainly not sin against the Lord by ending my prayers for you, and I will continue to teach you what is good and right, but be sure to fear the Lord and faithfully serve him. Think of all the wonderful things he has done for you, but if you continue to sin, you and your king will be swept away. Hey guys, this is Ryan, and I hope you are getting a lot out of God's whole story. Uh, It means a lot to us, even as we are reading through God's Word every single day in the order that it happened. Um, If you want to go ahead and follow us, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at God's Whole Story Podcast. Uh, We would love it if you would share this thing with your friends or people that you know, or just share what's sticking out to you. Uh, You can either send us a DM, or you could actually email us at podcast at worshipcenter.org. You can email us if you have any questions, if something stuck out to you, if you'd like us to pray for you, and if you want a Bible, if you don't have one right now, or if you want a copy of the one that we're using to go through God's whole story, we'd be happy to send that to you. So go ahead and reach out to us in any way that you'd like. We'd love to hear from you. Have a great day.